sojourners, and welcome to the Refresh and Restore Weekly Devotion, brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. edition of the Refresh and Restore podcast. Today we'll be kicking off our Redeeming Love Refresh and Restore Bible study of the book of Ruth. Today's scripture passage will come from Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. We'll kick it off with our verses. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the hill country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives, the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. since we've last posted one of these refreshed Bible studies on the website, and I'm excited for us to begin a new study together today and embark on a journey through the book of Ruth, looking at the beautiful story of God's redeeming love. Today's devotion is going to serve as an introduction for our study and help us to get our heads around this book. First, we need to understand that the book of Ruth is different from 1 John, the book of the New Testament, which we just got through with on the website. It's different because it's a book of the Old Testament, which occurred before the arrival of Jesus as Messiah. It's also a narrative, meaning it's told like a story. This is different than the epistles or letters of the New Testament, which were intended to relay information clearly to a certain audience in specific ways. The beautiful thing about these differences is that we get to see how God intersects himself into the life stories of regular, everyday people, how he brought his redeeming love to bear in their lives. This helps us see his fingerprints in our own lives. We will see people who experience the same sort of troubles and joys that we experience. And we get to see the way that God works in these times, the bad as well as the good, to carry out his redemptive plan. Second, we need to understand the time in which this book took place. While it simply says in verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and sets up its narrative, there is more than meets the eye. More is meant to give us context. 
You see, the time of the judges was a crazy era in Jewish history. There are two verses from the book of Judges that give a clearer picture of the world in which they lived. The first is Judges 2.16, which says, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. The nation of Israel during this era repeated a nasty cycle of step one, being warned by God about the consequences of their sins, where really he was describing to them the blessings of following him. Step two, willfully committing the sins they were warned against and therefore willingly forfeiting the blessings. Step three, finding themselves experiencing the consequences God promised would occur. And then finally, step four, repenting of their sin, crying out to God to rescue them, which he faithfully did every single time they repented. And that happened again, step one, two, three, four, over and over throughout their history, and if we're honest, throughout ours as well. The second verse that gives us context is found in both Judges 17.6 and Judges 21.25. If you're reading Ruth in the English Bible, just flip one page back and you'll see Judges 21.25, which says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And there, somewhere between Judges 2.16 and 17.6, is exactly where we start the beginning of the book of Ruth. God's people are doing what is right in their own eyes, fully experiencing step three and too hard-hearted to reach step four. Setting the stage for a big move of the Lord. What a context here in the book of Ruth. Everyone doing what they wanted to do and treating it as if it were right. Sound familiar? Yet that is exactly where we find our family at the beginning of Ruth's narrative. You see, before God's people ever set foot in the promised land, the place they left when the famine hit, he laid out all the blessings that he would give them if they followed him, as well as the consequences of their sin, two of which were infertility and famine. You can find all of this in Deuteronomy 28. And it's in the midst of these, specifically infertility and famine, in which Elimelech and Naomi's family were living. Since I laid out the cycle for you in the first section, what needs to happen to get out of their predicament. If you said step four, you're correct. They need to repent of their sin and cry out to God to rescue them. It seemed simple enough, yet they chose another path, one that led them out of the promised land, away from their home in Bethlehem, which literally meant the house of bread, and beyond the land of God's promise. Elimelech and Naomi dug in their heels and decided to take an alternate path out of God's punishment of sin. The only problem is, there is no alternate path, and the Bible's clear on this. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, and death is exactly 
what they found in Moab. Elimelech and Naomi thought they were leaving famine to save their lives, but they only found death. They missed the fact that God had sent them a great warning sign of repentance by striking the house of bread with hunger. The shelves were empty and so were their hearts. The message was clear and not just because of the name of their town. Elimelech is Hebrew for my God is king and Naomi is Hebrew for pleasant. Yet Elimelech sought to be the king of his own heart and strike out to leave the promised land to take care of himself and his family despite the warnings of the true king, God. My God is king and pleasant had two children, boys named Malon, which meant sick, and Chilion, which meant frail or mortal. And during the decade they were in Moab, my goddess king died. It turns out that Moab was not beyond the reach of the wages of Israel's sin. His children, sick and frail, grew up, married Moabite wives named Orpah and Ruth, and continued living in Moab. That was until sick and frail lived up to their own names and died. Can you imagine the heartbreak that these women felt, especially Naomi? When my God is king died, Pleasant became a widow. But there is no term for a parent who loses a child because it's a reality too unimaginably heartbreaking to be labeled. And it's in this heartbreak that our story of redeeming love is set. In death and sorrow and loss, in a foreign land filled with foreign gods and strangers, one could argue that Pleasant was not alone, that she had her two daughters-in-law with her. But when one experiences grief, loneliness generally accompanies it. try to live as if I am king and decide that what I want is right. That's called sin. I'm a sinner. I often decide to delay repenting because I'm angry that I am not God. That too is called sin as well as idolatry. I also find myself identifying with Naomi and the pain that comes with grief. What she didn't know and really what none of them could know since they lived in Old Testament times was the hope that comes only from Jesus. I don't think I need to declare a spoiler alert here, since the Bible allows us to know Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, has already won. That he's the ultimate hero of the book of Ruth, and in fact, the only hero of the Bible. The beauty of the way that this book points to Jesus shares in the same beauty as when Jesus arrived on earth with the birth of a baby. Ruth 4 verses 18 through 22 gives us a genealogy bridging the gap between Judah, the father of Perez, whose mother was Tamar, the father of Hezron, father of Ram, father of Amenadab, father of Nashon, father of Salmon, 
who was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, who was the father of Obed, as we'll see is by Ruth, the father of Jesse, and the father of David, who's the great, 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 many times over, earthly ancestor of Jesus. Love the way Matthew 1.1 says it, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. God struck the house of bread with a famine, and events of incredible sadness occurred when his people decided not to repent. But God, in his sovereign and redemptive plan, used those sad things to highlight the good news of Jesus, the bread of life. Although Naomi and Ruth, in their grief and mourning, do not realize it, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5. Joy, in their case, would come later when their hearts become as full as their bellies, when God does what he does, redeem sinners. The cry of a baby will bring joy into their lives, just as that baby's many times descendant would do for all who put their hope in him throughout the ages. Listen to the words of that descendant of Jesus Christ in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So as we walk through the lives of Naomi and Ruth in the coming weeks, let us fix our eyes on what is to be while we're seeing the redemptive plan of God work out in their lives. And maybe, just maybe, we'll begin to see how God is working through the sad and unfortunate things in our own lives. It's my prayer that we, because we can see more than Naomi and Ruth by having the finished story of the Bible, can rejoice, as Paul did in 2 Corinthians 4.17, that this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If we put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Then, and only then, can we re realize the beauty that comes with rejoicing in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Romans 5, 3 and 5. Hallelujah and Amen.
ChristHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. If you'd like to contact